Your host is always Dalton Thieneman, and as you know, and, and Cracks fans know, this podcast covers all things tennis, juniors, collegiate, professional, and our ultimate goal is to provide an inside perspective to the day-to-day grind of tennis players at the elite level. And Today we've got a good one for you with two-time NCAA champ and Florida star player Brooke Austin. Uh, we had a lengthy discussion with Brooke on her decorated collegiate career and her time in the juniors and how that translated to college and, you know, her plans for the upcoming year as well. Um, before we get to Brooke, I want to make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. We'd also love to hear from you on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cracked Rackets. Leave us ideas as to who we should bring on the next podcast. We want to hear from you uh, if there's a coach or a player at the junior, collegiate, or professional level that you want to hear from. Give us give us some ideas, and we'd love to bring them on. Also wanted to give a brief update as to the Western and Southern. The crack team headed out to Cincinnati last week, and you know we saw players Chris Eubanks, Francis Tiafoe, John Isner, Tommy Paul, Donald Young, Rafael Nadal, Delpo, even saw Sanga, Venus Williams, Muguruza, Halep. We saw all the top top players out of Cincinnati and got some inside scoops there as well. So definitely stay tuned for some upcoming content there. Uh, looking forward to next week, I'll be hanging out with Nats at the Zoo Champion and U.S. Open Wild Card Entry, Patrick Kypeson. So Kype and I uh, will be on next week, and that's a good one. You won't want to miss that. So make sure to stay tuned. Uh, now, for my conversation with Brooke, I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Uh, we had a great time talking with Brooke, so enjoy. I want to be forgiven, I don't like to skip for money. Sorry, I was scared, you're not the way it feels. Like to sleep with it for someone to come in and kill you. The final thing is that now, and not a prince of anything. Go take on that kill. So today on Crack Racket, uh, we have the honor and privilege of having Brooke Austin, uh, back-to-back national champion, and also Florida star player. Brooke, thank you for coming on. No problem. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited. Hey, we're excited too. (laughs) So right off the bat here, walk us through the incredible run back-to-back. You know, were you expecting this going in at Florida? Um, obviously when I committed to Florida, one of the reasons I committed was if you look at all the sports at Florida, every, every team on campus, their goal is to win a national championship. And that's sort of the standard here. And I knew when I committed that that's what I wanted to set for myself was that standard. And so the day I set foot on campus, I was like, okay, I just want to win a national championship. So the fact I got to do that my sophomore year with Courtney and the Bulls is incredible. Um, looking back, she's, still one of my best friends and we played doubles together this past year too that was such a cool experience for us because we literally started out my freshman year and we were together for three years as a double team and seeing how far we came from when we started out we really weren't that great of a double team at the beginning but then we stuck together and worked hard every day and we won and that was really cool and then getting to play in the US Open with her was sort of 
like the big reward, even though we did win in TAs. Um, that was something we'll never forget together. Um, and then the Thatcher coming in, I think our team knew we had a shot at winning just because we pretty much had the same team except for one person as my first two years. And we were ranked number one a lot of the time, and we were actually seated number one in the NCAA tournament my sophomore year, and we lost to Stanford. And so we were seated number one again this year, and I think the whole team in the back of our mind, I guess you could say get a little bit of revenge. Um, but we really just wanted to do well, and we worked so hard the whole year, and we wanted to see our hard work pay off. And we ironically ended up playing Stanford in the finals and winning, and it, it was the coolest. I will never forget that day for the rest of my life. I'll remember waking up that morning and going through the, the whole day in my head, and I did it with some of my best friends. And that's something that we'll never forget. So, you know, you see that Stanford wins. You're going to play them in, in the final again. <laughs> Tell, talk us through that. What, what was your approach mentally? Was it like, you know, we have to get this revenge-wise. We have to <laughs> take care of it. What was To be completely honest, um, in the semi, in the final four, we played Vandy. And we had lost to Vandy. We played them two times previously before the NCAA tournament, and we lost both times. And going into the Vandy match, I think at that moment in time, we were so focused on beating Vandy, and we were down the whole match. It was a, an incredible match. Um, Vandy is such a they have such a great – they had such a great team this past year, and it was inside on three courts, and it was probably a five-and-a-half-hour team dual match, which is insane. And it came down – I mean, every single person on the team had to contribute, and it came down, and we ended up winning – and I think we were just so hyped from winning that match because we'd lost to them two previous times <laughs> this year that at that moment when we found out we were playing Stanford, we were like, okay, we can do this. And I honestly think it gave our team even more confidence going into the final just because we'd beaten Vandy. And so I don't think we necessarily looked at it as like revenge, but I think we were all just so excited to play and represent the school and just to go out there and play together one more time. Can't even imagine. I've never been there. <laughs> was, I, I don't get very high, but I like I I don't get very high after winning matches. I'm just like, okay, like let's focus on the next one. But I was like, I've never been that excited after a singles match. I mean, was it like a you know speechless moment where you knew the gravity of the situation? Like, I'm never gonna forget this moment. Sort of, yes. Both the semifinals and the finals. The semifinals, I actually clinched. So I think it was more of a little, it was more like, okay, like, wow, we did it. Like we moved on because at the time, I think we just felt like we were facing such a big mountain. And once we beat Vandy, it was like, okay, like we're so close to the top, like we can actually do this. And so I think beating Vandy just gave us the confidence to keep going and sort of steal the deal. Mm -hmm. So a lot of collegiate level players in the juniors, you know, you may have played doubles at national tournaments and that kind of thing and had a set doubles partner, but there's such a focus on singles throughout juniors. You know, were you always passionate and interested in doubles? I wouldn't necessarily say passionate about doubles because I think like you said, singles is just so, it's so much more emphasized in doubles and juniors, but like coming to college, you're, put on a team in junior tennis, like you said, it's only about you and focus primarily on yourself. You don't have to worry about anyone else. And you come to college and you're put on a team and it's all of a sudden it's not just about you anymore. And I know a lot of tennis players struggle with that just because it's so different than what we're used to and what we're taught for 
the 10 years that we play before we come to college. But I always enjoyed playing doubles and juniors, but I never really focused on it. And once I came here and Court and I started playing together and I sort of knew that we could be good, that's when I really bought in and I was like, okay, like, we can do this. And it's not that we practice doubles every day. Like, we would play practice sets with the team or do whatever. But it was more just like five, ten minute like little drills that we would do at the end of practice, like working on coaching or hitting returns down the line or lobbying, just different specific things. And I think it it works for us in that manner. Obviously, everyone's different, but that's sort of how Court and I operated and how that's just what we meshed on. And in the end, it ended up working, and she's still one of our best friends. I love playing with her, and our relationship was amazing on the court. Because, you know, doubles, it's not only your strengths and weaknesses as a tennis player, but how your personalities mesh as well. Yes. Um, was yes. that an adjustment? Um, Definitely, because in junior tennis, like, you play doubles, but then you have a different partner the next tournament. So you really have to get to know the person personally and figure out how they operate. Like, I mean, Court and I were to the point on the court where – we wouldn't say one word to each other and we knew exactly where the other person was on the court during the point. We did not have to say one word to each other just because we were together all the time. We hung out all the time. Like we got to a level of honestly telepathy. Like (laughs) we would know what the other was thinking and what they were going to do when they were going to do it and how the person was going to react to certain things and what they were going to do in tight situations. And that, in my opinion, is why we were as successful as we were as a team. And in college, you play with the same partner pretty much the whole season. Sometimes you'll switch it around depending on the team, but for us here at Florida, you normally pretty much have the same partner the whole time. And you really have to know how the other person operates. For example, I'm more outgoing on the court and fiery, and court is more mellow and like laid back and calm. <laughs> So we're complete opposites, but we mesh well because we are complete opposites. Oh, yeah. So you like to get a, a come on going every now and again? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially when I'm, like, really, like, in a tight match, like, in the heat of the moment, I can get really into it. So we actually nicknamed ourselves Fire and Ice. <laughs> it was funny because, like, the whole team bought into it. Like, they started calling us Fire and Ice, and then the next thing you know, like, all the other athletes on campus are calling us fire and ice. You'll come to the matches. <laughs> and they're like, it's so funny because it fits you guys so perfectly. That's hilarious. Uh, so, you know, taking it back a little bit, tell me a little bit about, you know, yourself, how you originally got into the game. How did you start in tennis? Well, I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm not sure if you stated that in the intro. but I'm Represent, represent. Yeah. <laughs> not exactly the most. Um, exciting place to play tennis or the tennis hotbed of America. But my one of my friends growing up, she lived two doors down. Growing up we would always like hang out or play together after school. And we were probably I was seven I think and her mom played and her mom like took us to one of her lessons. And at the end after she was done, um the lady that taught her asked if we wanted to come out and try to play. I never picked up a tennis racket. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what I was doing. And I went out and I picked up the racket and the lady tossed me a couple balls and 
I hit them, and she was like, wow, like, you actually have really good hand-eye coordination, and so stayed after a little bit longer, fed me a couple more balls, and then told my friend's mom, like, if she, like, she could be pretty good at this if she, like, wanted to play, after she wants to play, and I'll hit with her or whatever, so my friend's mom took me home and told my parents, like, the lady said that she could be pretty good, like, I don't know if she really wants to do this or not, so my parents asked me, and they were like, do you want to go take a lesson and see how you do, because at the time, I was doing competitive gymnastics, and I was traveling for meets to do gymnastics, and on the weekends, and things like that, and I said, sure, and so I remember <laughs> they took me either the next week or the week after, and I had a lesson, and then I just sort of stuck with it. And the lady, ironically, is Ronnie Schneider's agent. <laughs> so that relationship comes full circle, then. Yes. So I took a couple lessons from her for a couple months, and she really only teaches, like, adult ladies and things like that. And she realized that I was getting a lot better, so she then she, hand, she sort of handed me over to Jeff and was like, he's the person you need to work with if you really want to, like, be competitive at this and – Jeff took me under his wing, and I've—he's been my coach ever since. And that's, you know, that's legendary uh, coaches Jeff and Brian Smith, and <laughs> I know. which is a huge. I, and it, you think it's just an Indianapolis thing, but trust me, they are connected uh, nationwide and worldwide now. So rewind. You were a competitive gymnast. How old were you? I started gymnastics when I was two, and mommy and me, and I. I I mean, I liked gymnastics. I don't know how good I actually was at it, but I was on, like, a team, and we would travel to meet on the weekends, and I was – they have what they call levels in gymnastics, like levels one, two, three, four, like up to ten, I think, and then you either go, like, elite or another route, and I got up to, like, level five, I think. So I was, like, okay, but – yeah, I was doing competitive gymnastics at the time. And to be honest, when I first started playing tennis, I would go, when I first really started playing tennis competitively, and I would get out of school early and go to tennis practice from, like, 1 to 5 or 6. And then after, I would go to gymnastics from 6.30 to 8.30 oh my after God. playing tennis. Wait, so you, it was take crazy. Lesson, you take this lesson from Ronnie's aunt, uh, which yeah. is still, which is still blowing my mind, by the way. So, so you <laughs> not take... many people know that. Like, I, I, I don't always <laughs> say that it was his aunt because, of, but yeah, so it was his aunt. Well, thank you for sharing that with the correct bracket <laughs> family. I love that. Um, <laughs> so you take that lesson. How old are you? I was seven. So you're seven, and so you're, you know, on this route to become the next, you know, big U.S. gymnast. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I, I, I'll say it. I'll say it. <laughs> so you pick up tennis. So when did it all click for you? But was there a momentous moment where you were like, oh, yeah, I, I'm good at this thing? Definitely. I think I was probably, I think I was eight, and I'm, a lot of people in tennis have heard of Little Mo. I played Little Mo, and I won. They have, like, sectional, and they have regional, and they have the national thing. And I won the sectional, and I was like, okay, like, I guess I'm getting pretty good. <laughs> I went, And I won the regional thing for the Midwest. And so then I, I remember thinking at the time, I was like, okay, like, wow, like, I can't believe I'm doing this well. And then, and then I went to the national um, tournament, and I got second. And once they sort of did that, that's when I was like, okay, like, I think I can be good at this. I'm not really sure. 
And after that, I got invited to this USTA um, player development camp down in Florida, and they basically invited the top, who they thought were the top, like, 10, 8-year-olds in the country. And once I got invited to that and I went through that camp, that's when I was like, okay, like, I can do this. I think I can do this. And that's when it sort of all clicked for me. We're going to switch gears a little bit. You've obviously been all over the country and probably the world for tennis. What's your favorite spot? I would probably say if I had to choose a place to go back for vacation, I would definitely say um, Melbourne, Australia. That was probably the best vacation spot that I would pick. But I also really, I've been to Paris and I've been to London and I really enjoyed playing there and getting to see the cities and stuff. It's so beautiful and Europe is so pretty. Um, but from like a vacation standpoint, I definitely would go back to Melbourne. I've heard Melbourne, uh, you know, the, the people there are incredibly friendly and, you know, it's an easy uh, city to navigate and the food is really incredible. And, you know, I've never. Yeah, it was incredible. But... We, when we went, we stayed in housing. So we stayed with a family and the family I stayed with was amazing. I still actually stay in contact with them today, but they were awesome and they made the experience so much better. Well, shout out to them in Australia. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they still send me Christmas gifts. They send me a Christmas gift every year. That's really good. Wow. Well, hopefully they listen to this because we're trying to, you know, really build an audience space in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so tennis players know that there's a wide variety of things in the bag, but what what's the weirdest thing we find in yours right now? Honestly, I have a pair of high heels in my tennis bag right now. <laughs> Is that intentional? Like, are there always, or is this like a... No. <laughs> no, we had to... You don't to, have to lie to us, Brooke. No. <laughs> no. Uh, and for class one day, I had to give a presentation, and so you had to wear business attire and really, like, dress up and look presentable, and so I wore heels, and then I went straight to practice after class, and so I had the heels, and I just room in my tennis bag and honestly I've sort of forgotten about them and they're still in there. <laughs> Love it. People are going to like that one. <laughs> so uh, moving on, I know we've gone long here but uh, it's the name of the website. What's your cracked racket situation? <laughs> my cracked racket situation. I have a lot of them. You asked earlier before we started the interview if our team on campus sort of has a tennis house and we do and we have a whole wall of the team's cracked racket <laughs> no what yes an entire wall of everyone's racket on the team that's cracked and i probably have four or five of them on the wall <laughs> we need we absolutely need a picture of this and we're posting it i actually on think i have one tomorrow. on my phone i think oh. i have one on my phone send that to me 100 that's that's <laughs> golden golden marketing right there <laughs> So piggybacking on that one, what's the most embarrassing moment on the court for you? Is there a moment that stands out? <laughs> so it happened last year, my sophomore year. Uh, or not my, not last year. The year before last, my sophomore year. I keep forgetting I'm going into my senior year. It still hasn't hit me yet. <laughs> but my sophomore year, we played LSU at home during dual match season. And it came down to court and I doubled match. And I literally whipped a return in front of 400 people and the whole crowd was laughing <laughs> it was so embarrassing we have it on video it made our schools we have 
this thing called Sport 11 Men Awards just for the athletes, and it made the not top 10 plays of all the sports for the whole year. So. <laughs> I hope you took a bow after that. That's what I would have done. So. <laughs> well, you're going to have to send me that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to move on to rapid fire segment. How it works is I'm going to ask you five to ten questions as quick as possible. You're going to answer with a one-word answer. So, okay. all right. So here we go. Who is your favorite tennis player? Serena Williams. Favorite thing to do in your spare time on tennis related? Uh, probably online shop. If you were, <laughs> if you were forced to give up one stroke in tennis, what would it be? My serve. First or second serve? Either or. They're both equally bad. <laughs> Favorite snack on the court? Uh, probably a cliff bar. Favorite drink on the court? Gatorade. What flavor of Gatorade? Uh, cool blue. Best tennis court surface? Hard court. Uh, most entertaining player on the tour right now? Ooh, uh, probably Gail Monfils. Favorite TV show? Right now, Gossip Girl. Favorite song? Favorite song? Oh, God. Uh, I really don't have one. I like a lot of songs. It's hard for me to say like a favorite one. Favorite artist. Favorite artist. Favorite album. Um, right now, probably Selena Gomez. Favorite Gossip Girl male character. Nate. Nate the Great. So not Chuck. <laughs> wow. Uh, favorite <laughs> uh, sports star, non-tennis related. Ooh, probably Pink Meaning. All right. Uh, actually, one more, one more. Finish this sentence. My favorite thing about a fresh can of tennis balls is? The smell. <laughs> so that does it for our rapid-fire segment and the interview. Um, I'm telling you, we've done, you know, a lot of interviews, and every single player has said the smell. I love the smell of fresh tennis balls. I know. I'm trying to, like, start a cologne, maybe. I feel like that would be a, you know. With the fresh. <laughs> I don't know if I really want to wear that out, but I really enjoy like missing it right when I open it. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Well, hey, uh, Brooke, thank you so much again for coming on. The Cracked Rackets family was excited to hear about your story. And obviously, you know, you've had a successful tennis career, collegiate career, and big things to come in the future for sure. So thanks again, Brooke. Thank you so much for having me. It was actually a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thanks. We'll talk to you. Thanks again, Cracked fans. Thanks for coming out. Brooke and I had a great time talking about her uh, junior and collegiate experience and you know what the feeling was to be a national champion and her her mental approach there and, and just her thoughts. It, it was a really cool conversation, and I got a lot out of it. I hope you all did too. And as always, thank you so much for your support. Please make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Cracked Rackets, and to subscribe to the podcast uh, at iTunes. And please rate us as well. Subscribe to the podcast and rate us. And look forward to the interview with Patrick Kypsen next week. Kype gave us some insights to 
his rigorous schedule and, and training and his approach going into KZU and, and um, definitely look forward to that next week. So stay tuned and we will see you then, crack fans. Take care. The final thing is that now I'm not a prince of anything Go take on a kill, then it won't have been so powerful They trip at you, I read your skin of everything is confusing You will be good, but you will be more You will be good, but you will be more